Okay, hello everybody and welcome back to Soul Work with Trudy Stroud and our first, our very first podcast interview, which I'm really, really excited to get talking about actually, because the idea for this podcast series around narcissistic abuse, uh, emotional, financial, physical abuse and relationships actually came from what's going on for us globally at the moment. And that is many countries are in a state of lockdown and we're seeing because of this lockdown that domestic abuse rates are actually increasing not just interpersonal relationships but relationships with children as well suicide rates are increasing so it was my intention in bringing a beautiful group of ladies together to interview to tell their stories about how they actually not only just survived abuse, because I think we get called survivors, but there's so much more to us and it than just being called a survivor, I think. I'm going to introduce you to Tina, who was in the past in an abusive relationship. She's going to tell her story as to what that felt like, how it all began, how she got herself out and away from that, and how she processed her own healing. And I hope it will be of inspiration to you guys listening, if you're currently in an abusive relationship or in fact you've just left one because the healing you can't put a time frame on the healing you just can't it can take well sometimes it can feel like it can take forever and if any of you have followed me for some time you know I don't like to sugarcoat these things because I actually don't think it helps any of us so without further ado I'm going to hand you over to Tina and you're just going to begin by just telling us how it all began. Hi everyone. I, I think my childhood set me up for, for this, these types of relationships. I, um, I was a shy kid and, and, um, nothing I kind of ever did was good enough. Um, and I had a, um, mom who had her own, um, insecurities around being accepted and yeah. and and being loved and all of that and she kind of inadvertently not on purpose pushed that on to me you know you got to make everybody happy you got to give more to people or they're not going to love you you can't tell them they're you're upset with them they're not going to love you so i became a people pleaser i had mm. to do more if you did something nice for me i had to do 10 times more so yeah. you would still love me um and I was always kind of a introvert, shy person. So I, the social stuff was always tough for me anyway, but, um, I met my, um, husband in, uh, mid nineties sometime. And, um, in the beginning it was great. We were best friends. Um, you know, we fought and the fights were not pretty, but I watch my parents have not pretty fights. That's just what you yeah. do, right? You know, yes, you just you have know any differently. I didn't know any differently. And I knew that relationships were tough and, but there were some really good things. And, you know, he wrote me poetry and he was sweet. And every morning when he left work, I got a love note. And there was all these really amazing things that were part of our relationship. And he put a lot of thought into the proposal and our wedding was so just us and, the day after the wedding, it was like switch, a little light switch went off and I became the bitch that ruined his life. Um, his was his was not necessarily narcissism. His was more PTSD, but he set me up for the next narcissistic relationship. Um, it We were married about five years. Um, it slowly became more and more verbally abusive. It started out with little stuff like something happened to the garage door. So it had to be my fault. 
And I hid it from him like a child and he had to punish me, even though the garage door wasn't really broken. He just didn't know how to use it. Um, and then there were these extravagant apologies after the fights, um, constant accusing me of cheating, which I never did. Um, you know, so they just, it just snowballed. And it was always about what did the neighbors think? I had to, he had to have a better vehicle than the neighbors. He had to have a better this than the neighbors. Nobody could look down on him. So there was this constant, you know, walking on eggshells to make sure that I didn't make him angry because him getting angry triggered the part of me that came from my dad, which is you can only push me so far and I'm going to come back at you and I'm going to come back at you tenfold. Um, Because I I don't, I'm not a complete pushover. I still am a people pleaser to some extent, but um, you know, I'm only going to take so much and then I'm going to have enough and and you're going to get it. Um, We were about four years in and I told him I wanted a divorce um, because I was seeing how he was pushing me away from my family and how he was treating my friends and how all these relationships that I used to have didn't want to come over anymore. Um, And that was like this epiphany to him that we were in trouble Um, and he wanted to do counseling and he wanted to do all this stuff. And, and I gave it another six months. And then um, at this point it's all verbal, you know, he's never laid a hand on me, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I was outside, it's dark, you know, it's winter time or whatever. And, uh, I come in and you have to walk through the mud room and I switched over a load of laundry and put the washing machine on. It's like seven o'clock at night, finished making dinner, doing whatever I was doing. And I went in and sat down on the couch and he comes downstairs and he said, if you ever put the laundry on when I'm in the shower again, I'm going to break your effing neck. And I said, mm-hmm. hmm, you lay a hand on me and I'm going to kill you. So, um, it wasn't worth me going to jail to be able to say I kept my marriage together. I was staying because of that stigma of you're a failure. If you get out of your marriage, marriage is tough, right? You're just supposed to suck it up and get through it. Um, And it was like my light bulb moment. Nope. I'm done. I filed for a divorce. I had it six, six, eight weeks later. I had all the stuff together. Take all the stuff you want. I don't care. Get out. but he had me in such a vulnerable, broken, everything you do is wrong space, more so than what my childhood was when my daughter's dad showed up and was like, you're amazing. He put me on this pedestal and oh my God, and blah, blah, blah. And you're just awesome. Everything you do is good. And I can't believe he treated you that way. And let's build a family. Let's do this. And I fell for it hard hard because it was like this breath of fresh air that you know I wasn't a screw up I wasn't this horrible person I wasn't unlovable you know and um I got pregnant with Emily that was his light switch he just left and then he turned on me and he was a he's a true true narcissist he needed me to worship him and he couldn't fake it any longer um with me being pregnant because he couldn't fake that he wasn't still in the other relationship that he said he was out of. And that st- that was 13, 14 years ago. And, and uh, the gaslighting started the, um, if he did something, he'd blame me for it first. So I couldn't blame him for it later. Yeah, that's a huge one in, in these type of relationships. Like you said, what was common with 
this one you're talking about now in the first one is the love bombing the making you feel that you're absolutely everything you can do no wrong and you're kind of the apple of their eye so you want that comfort and that validation so much yeah we end up lapping it up um because we feel like we can do no wrong in their eyes and none of us wants to feel like we're an inconvenience or we're doing something wrong in our partner's eyes and then there's the isolation separating you from friends and family yeah because they they want that ultimate control and uh so he left when I was pregnant with Emily Mm. um and it was during my pregnancy. I mean, it was it was probably the lowest point of my life. I was scared to death. I'm a single mom, didn't know what I was doing. He had before I was even even had her, he was threatening to take her away from me and and I'd never see her again. And and you know, that I was a terrible mom and he'd proved to everybody I was a terrible mom. I was still pregnant. How do you know I was gonna be a terrible mom? Yeah. Um, you know to make you doubt yourself and yeah you know that he'd had he and my dad were friends you know I never saw this coming because he and my dad were friends we had been friends um you know my dad says bad stuff about me my dad doesn't love me and 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 that couldn't be further from the truth my dad and I are super close um but when I was pregnant with Emily I discovered that I was an empath Mm. and I remember I was driving along (laughs) singing a song on the radio, whatever, I'm pregnant, you know, just driving. And I passed a car and burst into tears, like uncontrollable sobbing. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like me being pregnant with her amplified everything because she is, she is, her, her abilities are amazing. Um, And I, and I, for the first time, I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I heard Halui say, and I didn't know her name at the time, but I heard Halui say, you're an empath. And I didn't know what that was. Halui is. Oh, sorry. Halui is my, is my spirit, is my spirit guide. Um, And uh, she's always been there. I didn't know that she was always there, that she was that voice in my head. Um, about a year ago through meditation with Trudy, um, I, I learned her name. And uh, um, so I'm, I'm building that relationship better. But when I started researching empath, and then that led me to indigo, that explains my entire life. I'm an indigo. And once I learned to control the empath stuff and learn what was mine and what was other people's, yeah. my life changed. I read um, Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life was the first spiritual book that I read. Um, And that started me on this journey. And I have been working on, you know, what is the the empath thing was a huge thing for me. And I still struggle sometimes figuring out if it's my emotions or somebody else's emotions. And, you know, if I'm around people who are verbally venting, I, I find myself getting super anxious and I have to go, oh, stop. I can't take it, you know, and back myself out. Um, but I will tell you what I learned from these relationships. I am way stronger than them. And once I stepped back and learned how to not allow him to trip me, to to, to trigger me. Yeah. Um, and, and I use the, the gray rock exercises. You know, he's a gray rock. He has 
nothing to do with anything. He he's neutral. He he can't affect me in in my perspe- perspectives. That helped me separate that out and start reacting from a logical and not an emotional place. Because when I started going, he, he'd send me an email that was 12 pages long about what a horrible person I was. And I'd say, yes, you can have Emily on the weekend. And that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'd get this big, long thing about, you know, how horrible a person I was. And I'd be like, mm, that weekend won't work for me. But how about this one? Taking that power away and not responding to any of it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. I'm I'm glad you've said that because the majority of women I see that are just out of these abusive relationships, it's almost like they feel they owe that person an explanation or they have to kind of explain themselves, you know, because they're trying to make see see something but no you were wrong I'm fine see I'm fine and 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 that I I had to keep explaining it and explaining it no no I'm a great mom these are all the things I do to be a great mom yeah it didn't matter he didn't care he had my 100% attention which is what he wanted it doesn't matter if it's negative attention or positive attention he had my attention and I took that away by not reacting to him. And that changed our relationship to me having the power and not him. Yeah. I worked with, um, I, I was an elementary school teacher for, for a long time before um, I started working where I am now. And I worked with ADHD kids and it's very similar, not that they're narcissists, but yeah. that they want attention and they, they don't care if it's good attention or bad attention. They need attention. And the narcissist needs the same thing. They need you to ha- to focus on them a hundred percent, whether you're saying they're awesome or whether you're fighting them. Yes. And uh, so once I, once I learned that I would type out my responses in word <laughs> and then be like, all right, I got all that out. And then I'd write my short little response and then send the short little response. But I spent a lot of time typing stuff out in Word and deleting it yeah. um, because it let me get all that out, but not give it to him. And uh, that helped me a lot um, with, with that. And then as I learned to get better at not reacting, he reacted more, which helped me in court, you know, so that I got custody yeah. and, and got control and, and all of those things. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to see Emily's relationship with him. Cause he's still around, you know, yeah. um, I still have to deal with him, but, um, it's much better for me. I ended up after him in a, in a couple, not super serious relationships that were, um, people I could kind of keep at bay, you know, that I wasn't letting anybody close those walls were up. Um, but I had made my mind up that I wanted Emily to know what a really good relationship looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want her to have a mom that was bitter. I didn't want her to have a mom that believed that all men were like that. Um, I ended up in a relationship with a guy, super nice guy, super commitment phobe, you know, just neutral, you know? Um, We didn't fight, everything was fine. Um, He ended up after six years, just leaving his issues, not mine. And, I was like, what the hell did I do this time? Like, we were fine. We were really, really fine. Um, But we weren't. 
because that that commitment wasn't there. We weren't building a future together. We were going through the motions of being roommates, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I had met the man I'm currently dating the previous year and uh, we were friends, you know, Um, and probably not supposed to be dating, but um, we had without liking each other, we became really close as friends. And um, when he and I got together, it's the most different relationship I've ever had. He doesn't have that light switch. He goes out of his way to be kind to Emily and treats her as if she's his own child and not, you know, this burden that I bring with me. Um, And uh, it's, uh, there's no, oh my God, if I don't do this, he's not going to love me. That's gone. All that stuff's completely gone in that I decided after the previous relationship that I was going to love me. I was going to do my thing. I wasn't going to lose myself in another relationship. I was done pleasing people just to please them. If the answer was no, because it hurt me, then the answer has got to be no. If I don't have time to do that, the answer is no. And taking that step back, giving back to myself and starting that process of loving myself put me in a position where, you know, this, this new guy learned to respect me first. And then I haven't lost myself in the relationship. If I can't do something now, I'm not doing that. I'll do this for you or I'll do that for you, but I can't do this. But the second piece of it was I allowed him to give to me without having to go tenfold plus, you know, and, and, and he helped with that because he was like, would you stop? You don't have to do all that stuff. It's like you have to do more than me. He's like, I can't keep up with that. I'm like, oh, well, duh, like, well, you know. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's a hard habit, you know, but he'll do something little for me and I'll think, oh my God, nobody's ever done that thing. You know, he took out the trash and I didn't have to ask him to. <laughs> and, um, but I don't have to do something else. I just have to be me. And it's so freeing and I, you know, I I can be a hundred percent me and whether I'm in a relationship or not in a relationship, that's the key. I'm me all the time. Take me or leave me. Um, I have some really good qualities. I'm kind of an asshole sometimes, (laughs) um, you know, but I'm, I'm a good person and I am worthy of love and, the gifts that I have have gotten me where I am. Um, after when I, after I had Emily, I had gone to a, a therapist for a little while. He helped me so much. And he kept, I was going on and on about something. And he kept saying, okay, that happened 30 years ago. How long are you going to carry that baggage? Mm. How long? It's got to be heavy by now. He said, did that thing that happened to you as a child kill you or make you stronger and I'm like well I'm freaking strong and he's like yep it made you stronger so stop carrying it as a burden and start looking at it as a stepping stone and stand on top of it instead of carrying it and the second thing he kept saying to me was how they treat you is a reflection on them and not a reflection on you and those two pieces of advice got me through the last 13 years 
there's times it's been a journey that I think I was going to quit. And there's been times that it's been amazing, but I wouldn't trade a second of it if it was going to change where I am right now. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, because I, I know that there are so many women and men. Let's not forget that that men. Oh, yeah. Were there any times in this present relationship where you got triggered and, and you felt emotions from your past coming up and putting you in that position of, of doubt? Because I, I get asked a lot, OK, what do I need to look out for? What are the red flags? Because I can't I can't do this again. I can't be in a relationship that's abusive again. I think for a lot of these women, they're looking at the outside to change but nothing's essentially changing within. So it's like we end up in the same cycles over and over and over again. So when, I, um, when I'm nervous about something, I tend to go to the worst possible scenario in my head and I spiral down into the world's falling apart, the ceiling's coming down, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And my, my current boyfriend is like that also. Um, so when he's spiraling, I'm going babe, it's okay. We got this. These are all the good things, you know? Mm. But when I would spiral, he'd be like, what is wrong with you? You're the strongest person I know, blah, blah, blah. And I, that would send me further into the spiral. And I finally reacted different to that instead of getting upset and, and I had to do it through a text message. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't say it. Yeah. I, I, I basically <laughs> I, said, I still do that now. I, oh, yeah. I, I write. And like my other half's like, but you're really good with words. Why can't you say I can't, it? You can't. And I and I finally said, you know, I know that I'm very capable, but there are times when I can't hold the world together. I can't hold all this stuff together. And I and I feel very weak. And what I need from you is a hug and tell me that it's going to be okay and that you love me and that we're in this together. And I'm going to be okay. I'll come out of it. I said, but when you, I said, how would you feel when you're spiraling? If I said to you, what you said to me, his reaction is what changed that. His reaction is the difference. Mm. He said, he, he immediately called me and he goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He said, I don't know why I react that way. He's like, I, I, he's like, I can't handle it when you're upset. I don't know how to make it better. And I'm like, I don't need you to make it better. I just need you to tell me we're okay. And his reaction was the non-red flag. You know, if he'd have been like, his reactions to all of that stuff, you know, I can do whatever it is that's me. It's his reactions that, that are the red flags. If he had said, you know what, you're just, you're just making a big deal about this. Mm. That's a red flag. Um, We're going to fight. We still fight, you know, but they're, but they're, we fight over the weirdest things. Um, (laughs) But it's not, we always come back to a place where, you know, it's about how you treat that person. And he was in very abusive relationships before he met me. So there's things that, you know, hit where you know, you're okay. You're not a bad guy. That's not a bad thing that you just said. It's you were being honest, you know? Um, and, and they're not, he's never said anything even remotely abusive. It's it's been like, hmm, I kind of didn't like that dinner. Can we not make that one again? <laughs> yeah. I don't like it either, but you know, whatever. And um, you know, it's 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 the it's how you react to stuff. 
if you're coming back very reactive and they're coming back very reactive, you got to change how you yeah. respond. But if they respond and they're not willing to come back at you in a neutral space, that to me is, is the red flag. He doesn't have to get back at me for anything. Once we have our agreement, disagreement, whatever, we go right back to what are we watching on TV tonight? What are we eating for dinner tonight? You know, um, he's not bringing up things that I did six months ago. You know, um, he teases me about, I leave cabinet doors open apparently. <laughs> it drives him crazy, <laughs> but it becomes a joke and not a personal flaw, you know? Something's used against you and then he's not yeah yeah. in a a good relationship we're not using anything against each other we're supposed to be in this against everybody else you know not against anybody else but you know facing all the things in in the world that we have to face together um I'm, I'm never the enemy I'm never the person that's trying to that you know even when I make a mistake you're allowed to make mistakes. He's allowed to make mistakes. Um, you know, it's 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 about that respect and waking up every morning wanting to fall in love with that person again um, and finding little stuff that gives you those butterflies back or gives you those the good heart twinge things that, you know, he did something really sweet. And it's little stuff. It's not even even big stuff. We were talking about retirement he's he's a few not he's like five years older than I am and so he's a little closer to retirement than I am and uh and I was like well I'm probably gonna have to work another 15 years he's like eh, not if my plan works you're gonna be retired in five years I'm like oh I love this man (laughs) (laughs) he just always doing something for each other we don't give each other Christmas gifts you know um but we're always doing something for each other because, and we don't need to do that um, because it's always like, Oh, I bought this little thing for you. And Oh, I did this little thing for you, or I took care of this for you. And he does it as much to me as I do for him. Um, but it's, uh, and it's, and, and there's times I look at it and I'm like, how did I end up here? This is crazy. How different it feels. Um, Cause we're told relationships have to be hard and yeah. you know it's tough to keep them together well it it is but it's not abusive abuse yeah. is not part of the hard equation the hard equation is life sucks and you got to figure out how to pivot and 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 change this your job yeah, might go yeah. away or yeah. you know you wreck cars or you know um, somebody gets sick or you know those those are the hard things of life you shouldn't be abusing each other. You shouldn't be mean to each other. Um, that's that's not hard. That's abuse. Yeah. Um, and it took me a long, <laughs> long time to learn that lesson. Um, but I will say I have those conversations with my child and not that I tell her anything that her dad did, but we have those conversations around, you know, it's okay if your friend's if they say something to you that you don't like, it's okay for you to say, I don't like that. You don't get to treat me that way. And if that means they're not your friend anymore, then they were never your friend. Um, you you are a good person. You do good things for people. And you deserve people that do good things for you. And that's not a conversation I got to have as a child. But my daughter's getting to have that conversation. Um, so hopefully she's not 
45 years old before she figures out that she's amazing and that's the beauty of actually going through this sort of pain and these experiences is we get to break the cycles and change things for the next generation and then because of that the next generation generation after that will forever be changed no absolutely and my parents actually started that cycle. I mean, my mom wasn't perfect, but she broke the cycle of how she was raised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad broke the cycle of how he was raised. He was raised by an alcoholic dad that was very abusive. I had a happy childhood. I just, I, I, I had a mom that was very weak and mild and a dad that was like, no, you're a warrior. <laughs> you know? So I kind of was this mix of, of both, which made it more complicated, but that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm still the warrior and I'm still a nice person and, um, you know, doing the things that uh, I got to do to make sure that uh, Emily's world's okay. Yeah. And mine. Oh yeah, definitely. Don't, you know, cause everything stems from us. Yeah. That's why self-care, self-love, understanding who we are, setting those boundaries eventually over time leads to that, that change that that we're wanting and that we're wanting to see in in relationships so to bring things to a close is there anything that you would like to say to those women or even men that are listening that are stuck right now in the experiences that you used to be in if there was one piece of advice that you could give what would it be don't ever make your decisions based on fear because the fears in our head are way worse than the reality of what would happen if you just took the leap Mm -hmm. to do what you need to do for you the fear in our head makes things so much worse. Just try and take that out and look at it from a very logical way. What, what, what are the good things about me? Is that thing really true that they're saying about me? Yeah. Um, because when they say something that's bad, we fear that it's correct and then we absorb it. And when they say you're a bad person, am I? No. Why would you even say that? Um, and it takes it down a notch, but don't ever let fear stop you. Um, there's always something better around the corner. When you believe in yourself, when you take the steps to change who you are, how you treat yourself, um, those good things will come up. When you're in a fear circle, all you see is bad. When you step out of that fear circle, you start seeing the light. You start seeing the good things. They're all around us. Um, You know, not that my life is perfect right this second, but I see more good stuff than I see bad stuff because that's what I focus on. I'm focusing on the good stuff. I'm not focusing on the fear. And it it sounds like a very small thing, um, but it's the difference between, you know, hopelessness and, and knowing that you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it can feel like a fine line, but what you've said is spot on. And sometimes you jump back and forth across that fine line, you know, and and that's okay. Forgive yourself for that. Um, I still have my moments of living in a, a fear moment and I, and I, and it's hard to stop that, but, um, it, it gets better. Um, Reiki helps, you know, cord cutting helps, um, meditation helps you find that thing for you that centers you and start manifesting and start doing the visualization boards or whatever it is that kind of helps you see that future that you want for yourself. So you can start moving in that direction. Even if it seems like it's farther off than you want, you'll start moving if you have something to move towards and you can't move towards it if you're in fear. 
Definitely. Well, thank you ever so much for talking with us today. And I just want to say if if this resonates with you or you feel it might resonate with someone else, please subscribe, leave a review and share share this out because it's so, so important that we continue to tell our stories. That's how change manifests. Okay, thank you ever so much, Tina. And You're welcome. Thanks, Trudy.